don't hold, don't hold it that tight. Oh my god! I'm take my headphones off. Alright, <clears throat> go on. Are we recording? We're recording. You gonna leave this in we've the podcast? Been re- we've been recording all along. All along. <laughs> Welcome back to episode two of season probably two because that's the biggest break we've ever had the podcast. We're back with another shit talk. We're back actually a day ahead of when we scheduled to record this because Windows updates for 11 are a piece of shit. And it's taking yeah. my, I will say this, very fast and powerful computer a fuckload of time. So that's not, not very fast and powerful now, Owen. You're sure, you're damn right, Dara. Yeah. Windows, it, these, it's just like a big Windows update and now it's just taking forever. Oh, is it a worldwide Windows update thing? It's kind of like a, uh, it's like a Deccan 5 update, I, I think, but it looks things. Right. How much, like... What what was wrong with Windows currently? What all all I'll say for um for Apple is very rarely do you have to update and it doesn't usually cause too much issues. Well, you seem to have like larger updates once yeah. or twice throughout the year, but they seem to take a very long time as well. Yeah. Normally Windows updates are much quicker. I did my update this morning. What did it take? 15 minutes maybe. Remember? Actually, we went to the shop while it was on, so I don't know how long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did have one last year that took quite a while. I remember that one. Like 45 minutes or an hour. You had a bit of a clip in them at that one as well. Yeah. It's so inconvenient. It's Why do they update it? Apparently most updates are security updates. Right. So that's the biggest thing, uh, apparently, a lot of... So we don't get sec- hacked. Security experts say is that you, uh, you should do your Windows updates are the biggest thing. Wait, actually, we need to have a brief pause at this point. Go on. Because we didn't get our trivia questions. Oh fuck it, we'll be fine. No, we are you gonna make one on the flight? No, I've got I've actually got two. Do you? <clears throat> I've got two boxing related ones. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna make one up on the flight. <clears throat> um Excuse me. Are you are you ready? I see, yeah. Are you finished? Yeah, I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. This week we're going to um start you off with a bit of a story. Is this are we still playing trivia? No. <laughs> we're gonna play trivia afterwards. Okay, at the end of the podcast? At the end of the podcast, right. in, in a different, in a little turn of events that you might not have foreseen. Okay, I'm going to Google one thing while you're telling your story. It's your story. Right. I was teeing it up for you. Well, you were teeing up my story? Yeah. Right, go on. Because I, I wanted to get to push it in here. So, Owen is a man who has uh, very rigid routines and rarely deviates from these routines, right? So something, if you spend time with him, you'll realise is that... Because Garf goes to the same shop all the time, he'll be friends with one person in the shop. Or because he parks in the same place all the time, he'll become very good friends with the person in the place, right? So he won't, because of your routine behavior, you end up having these strange kind of friendly relationships with people who normally people would never have these relationships, right? So we're in the shop the other day and Garf was singing along to a Katy Perry song and the dude who worked by the counter was like, Man, you like this music? He's like, you like metal music too, no? <laughs> Garf was like, yeah. And I walked out of the shop and I was like, Garf, how the fuck does the young fella behind the counter in the shop know that you like metal music? He's like, I don't know. I just talked to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, following on from that, Garf parks in the same car park every single day. We have very different parking routines. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you're making it sound like I have some OCD habit here, just in case anyone's wondering. I'm just a man of convenience in that regard. We're not doing this where I like I have to park in the same spot every day, or where I'm like, oh my god, I'm not on the second floor. I'm right. just like, the car park is 
100 meters down the no, road. It's, it's incredibly convenient. It's, it just makes it very convenient. But the thing with talking to those people is that I just have a crippling anger around small talk. You know, I really hate... Jeez, great weather, isn't it? Or it's like, how are you? Oh, yeah, I'm grand, how are you? I really, yeah. really intensely dislike that. So usually what happens is I'll just be like... I'll just ask an invasive question and right. usually people open up because they're just not expecting it. Because in like, those kind of jobs... What underpants do you wear? People usually don't uh, don't respond. Like, people don't get asked those questions, you know? So, <clears throat> there's a parking attendant below us. He's a very nice man. Uh, maybe we won't say... We'll find out his name because we'll put this video in the, in the podcast. But he was always uh, on his iPad when he's working. Like, you, you just pay at the their little hut. And uh, one day I was just like, David was like, what are you doing? I was like, what do you do, do you know? Yeah. Because he's always looking at stuff on his iPad. He's not watching videos. There's always like what looks to be like letters and like photographs of letters and, and reading and stuff. So, okay. so I was like, I wonder what does he, what does he do? What's going on here? So he goes, I'm an amateur historian. And I goes, I was thinking, oh, like he reads books and listens to podcasts and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what do you, what kind of history? And he's like, I found a ship. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and I immediately thought I was like, you know when Shia LaBeouf put a flag out in the middle of the desert and challenged the internet with a 24-hour live stream to go find yes. that flag and everyone on the internet came together and found it. Yeah, yeah. Or there's people who are on certain Reddits who break cold cases. Mm-hmm. This is what I immediately thought. I was like, oh, it was like, did you find it online or something? Or was like, did you figure it out from the series of clues? Yeah. So it turns out he's an amateur historian his mother was, or his father was an amateur historian, and his father's mother was also an avid amateur historian back in the early 1900s in Ireland. And they are very avid collectors of all of this historical information. They gathered it from all across, you know, their timeline as much as they could, yeah. from hundreds of years back, from neighbors, from family members. I don't know how they managed to collect a load of it, but his grandmother had a load of this sort of. Long story short, one of his ancestors is someone who was a captain of a ship during the Jacobite Rebellion in the UK. So uh, in the British, uh, the country that is the UK, there was the Jacobite Rebellion. Bonnie Prince Charles, who's known, was a kind of upstart king. Uh, he started a rebellion. He had support from some other countries. He had three ships kind of manufactured for him three like state-of-the-art like ferraris leopard tanks sherman tanks of world war ii like the state-of-the-art ships built essentially and this irish gentleman our parking attendant his great 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 grandfather was the captain of one of these ships bonnie prince charles lost the rebellion they fled to ireland they believe charles prince charles came to Ireland as well there's like some rumours with that and you'll you'll hear put them in the thing or whatever but one of the ships that belonged to this fella's ancestor was scuttled scuttled I think is what they call it when they sink a ship Yeah, because they were such state-of-the-art ships they didn't want the British reigning powers getting their hands on these ships so they essentially sank these ships no one knew where the other ships were I believe and this one in particular it's called the Dutali. Mm-hmm. Now they know, they're pretty sure it's sunk somewhere in Ireland, but they weren't really sure. 
one of these letters that he had in his possession said something along the lines of from just a random person just recorded this in the letter saying on a stormy night they saw a pirate ship come into a cove yeah and then leave something like that again yeah. you'll hear all this in the video it's been a while since i listened to it and he woke up one morning and he was like that's the ship yeah so he went down to the cove he knew where this person's house was because he knew who wrote the letter he knew where the ruins of this house were so he was like standing in basically the ruins of the house and was looking around and was like where might we find the ship and then he literally physically found the yeah. ruins of the ship it is one of the most encapsulating <coughs> stories yeah i think so the first time i listened to this was probably around a year ago was it yeah it must be yeah um a couple of months ago yeah I've since re-listened to it a number of times but we spoke to him around a week or two ago mm-hmm. and when I was talking to him I was like the one question I really wanted to ask we were literally paying for parking as we were leaving the car park mm-hmm. and I said what happened that morning because if you go and listen to the, the lecture he gives which will be in the link below uh, when he's talking about the morning he figured it out he said he just woke up and there was like a realisation he was like that letter so the cool thing is they seem to have been amateur historians of their family lineage. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing, like they're, they, if you listen to the lecture, you'll, you'll pick up on a lot of this, but the, their family has a legend mm-hmm. of this treasure. And apparently that's why the, the family is so involved in history or why certain people in the family were so involved in history of this, this silver treasure that's been hidden somewhere from the family but that's why they have all of these documents and all of this historical information and he said he woke up one morning and suddenly that letter linked up with the part of his brain about the Bonnie Prince Charles's boat and he said oh my god that's got to be the boat they're talking about so the houses around that cove or around that area there's a number of family houses that are no longer there and he went back and he went to each of those places and then he just said, okay, this has to be the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole other story going on now, more recently in, in him trying to get this boat surveyed and him trying to get the, the details of the boat changed because the boat's been surveyed as a different ship, a different ship that it can clearly not be, but the Irish government has registered it as that ship. Uh, but it's, it's encapsulating beyond belief. So he's having the very typical problems <laughs> with Irish governmental bureaucracy. So he's like filled out forms and stuff and trying to figure it out. And he's gotten experts in these kind of French, I think it was a French or Dutch, like galleons or whatever you call them. Like their whole shtick is just these ships, you know, okay. they're experts in this. And he's getting the wood carbon dated. And he's gotten, or he's getting the anchor dated as well as much as possible, so they date the iron to see what, where it came from, if possible, yes. and stuff like that. Like he's trying to get all this information together, and just having an absolute nightmare dealing with the uh, the Irish bureaucracy. In a shock to absolutely nobody. In a shock to no Irish person in history, he's having massive issues with them, which is I think is like pretty like would sum it up pretty well. I think. What I would really love to see is a. Uh is a podcast series. Yes. So I said it to him that day. I said, you you should really do a podcast on this. Like, mm-hmm. it could be the next, like, West Cork or it could be the next serial, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, he's like, oh, sure, I'm, I'm, well, I am writing a book in it. 
but he's he's previously in like audio engineering. No, like no, no, in no, the no, music no. industry. He, he used to make music for documentaries and movies and stuff. Okay, so and if ever there's like, a man who's capable of. But he's already published books as well. Like, <laughs> so he's like an amateur historian who found this ship. Yeah, a musician, like a mm-hmm. legitimate musician, just makes up music. Uh, he's not in, like in a cover band kind of thing. Like yeah. he, he makes music for documentaries. Or he used to. He has published books. I think he's saying his father has published a book. Like he's just uh, so interesting. It's mad, you know. Yeah, I don't know how this happens to me though. Like, cause I'm I'm the least, want, least desired of looking to talk to people, you know. Yeah, but you have these weird. You do like, it's or, even it's not the, weird. You're making it seem like these are weird. No, people. sorry, sorry, sorry. It's going to sound weird on the podcast. You have to understand, people don't know any of these people, like the, the people we're talking about. So people are when you say the word weird, you're imagining like I'm talking to the heroin addicts in the dream no 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 these are very normal people these are really normal people it's weird because it's me every it's weird because it's girl yeah, you just need to explain that to people it is weird because it's girl because you're doing this as a service to the people i'm talking to yes yeah yeah no sorry it's absolutely no disservice to those people right they're very normal nice people but what happens is so me and girl spend a massive amount of time together yeah where i see girl more than i see anyone else in the world right and we'll be walking down the street in cork city right and next thing, suddenly someone will come up and be like, oh, how are you, boy? Not, no, grand, no. And I'll be like, who is that? Be like, uh, oh, he used to train in, <laughs> he used to train in the gym in Cork there. He hasn't gone there in six months, but he's, because you end up seeing him every day for like ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's truly, I don't know what happens It's truly to me. bizarre, because you just, hate talking to people. Honest to God, especially when I'm doing things. Yeah. I'm about my business. Oh, I, yeah. I just don't know. I think I was just raised too politely. Yeah. Like I just have to like it it you can't despite, not engage. Despite the anger inside me of not wanting to talk, you know, it'll yes. just come out for it. It'll be like Yeah. And and I see I hate small talk is the problem. Yes. So I'll just ask people things like, What are you doing, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at least if you're gonna talk to someone you might talk something about something interesting, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and obviously you get stories like that where it's uh an absolute That's shocker. Yeah. I was genuinely when he was like, Oh, I found this ship and I was like the fuck are you talking about it's so strange and you just never know what's up you never know you never know what it's going to be i imagine the morning he woke up when he was thinking about that ship is similar to the founder of the periodic table of elements or well the person who organized it yeah said he came up with it in a dream he said it came to him one night in a dream no way from the eater yeah. <sighs> yeah it is um it's unbelievably interesting if you do want to go and listen to it if you're listening to it, will you just comment on the YouTube saying, please make a podcast out of this? Yes. Yeah. Just It's super compelling. He's a great speaker as well. Really good speaker. Really well organized lecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very interesting. If you are interested in kind of Irish history or history of the British and Irish Isles or whatever, it's very interesting. I think you find most people who are interested in history are just generally engaged generally by interested, yeah. in history. Whereas like, you're generally not that interested in history. No, no, I'm not. Not usually. No, certain aspects of history really interest me. Yeah. Um, and then other aspects I just couldn't care less. Like I was in a petrol station last year. Yeah. And it, there's a book for sale, and there's like two left in a big box. Right. And it was like historic murders of South Cork. You like Irish history, though. Yeah. And I was like historic murders. So South Cork. Yeah. Cork is the biggest county in Ireland, but it's still a small county and the best, obviously. Yeah. But it's still a small area of land and South Cork is a phenomenally small area so South Cork like West Cork is massive 
West Cork could be a county on its own. Mm-hmm. East Cork is quite big, but South Cork, Garfden is from North Cork, mm-hmm. uh, otherwise known as the Murder Triangle, is his particular area. But South Cork is like this area south of the city, between the city and the sea, basically. And there's nothing, like, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, it's like there's small little villages. There is nothing there. There's nothing, like, there's nothing of, of note. Interestingly, now, the centre of pharmaceutical for most of Europe mm-hmm. and a lot of the Western world is there. Mm-hmm. But historically, there's nothing. So, historic murders of South Cork, there's like 12 or 15 different murders mentioned in it. And I was like, this is a handful of towns where I grew up. And uh, villages, sorry, not even towns, just villages. They're surely all murders of passion, crimes of passion. Murder? They're, they're, they're not, I can't imagine they're premeditated. You know what, there's a lot of unsolved. Oh. Yeah. Um, early 1900s kind of shtick. Yeah. Um, but there's, interestingly, a town very, very close to my home house, uh, Novel, or Nohovel, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Tiny little town, nothing there, no shops, no anything. There used to be a shop. I'm not sure if they open anymore. And there's a pub, a really nice pub where a really famous DJ plays every Christmas time. Um, so nothing there in the whole town, but there's a weird vibe in Novel. Mm-hmm. Everyone picks up on it. Like, it's a well-known thing. It's a strange feeling in the village of Novel when you drive into it. Mm-hmm. So you drive in, and it's a T-junction. There's a church in front of you, a statue of Mary. And it's just strange. Like, it's a, there's a, a bleak omen in the place. I never knew why but everyone knows it it's like a well known thing you can feel it when you drive into the town sorry village not even a village but it turns out there's a school teacher murdered there murder murder uh, school teacher murdered there early 1900s if I'm getting my dates right and died against that wall Jesus yeah who murdered them you'll have to get the book go on tell me I'm not gonna get the book it's unsolved unsolved as far as I remember how were they murdered shot Fuck! Is yeah. it a, an Irish independence thing? No, no. Just straight up murder. Yeah, if I'm remembering it right, just an unsolved murder. There's male or female? Male. Shot. Yeah, in the middle of the night. One shot, bang bang. He had been looking after. So a neighbor of theirs was sick, and he was up, kind of like sitting in the house with her, and somebody else was coming in looking after her afterwards, and he was shot as he walked home. That is mental. Yeah. That kind of history interests me so much. The little stories, like yeah, like those little personal stories of history. You know, the maddest part about those is they'll never be solved. You know, no, that'll never be solved. No, no, no. What the the biggest thing I get from history is just how violent most of it was for people. Jesus, yeah. Just how fucking terrible a lot of people were. Yeah. In terms of like Europe as well was particularly bad. Now I know a lot of the world was also particularly bad. But I've listened to a lot of European history, you know, and, yeah. and stuff. And there's uh, Dan Carlin has great histories, and there's like a lot of that, like the Protestant rebellion stuff, and tearing people's skin off with hooks and things, and uh, flaying. What's the story, lads? Yeah, Jesus Christ! Can you just like people had to have known that was wrong? <laughs> there's like there's these kind of murder holes in some castles I think it was a, a uniquely French thing if I can remember and the Normans kind of brought it to some other places where it was like in the kind of cavity of the whole of the castle and the walls of the castle there's this like 8 foot down 10 foot down hole and it's purposely meant that you could never be comfortable in there and you're just dropped in there 
and then you just left there and you just starve what but usually you've broken legs or broken back or something from being dropped in there and it's like massively uncomfortable so you couldn't stand there lie up like it's kind of rounded and like tapered in at the middle and then a little bit wider at the bottom and you're just left there to starve Jesus Christ yeah there's the, but there's numerous things like that like there's so many examples of just terrible things like that where humans are just murdering each other who comes up with these things and then the worst part is like how it propagates it's like yeah. someone was on like Murdergram and they were like that's a great idea Jeez, that's class can we get that in here Jimmy imagine if we made that hole tapered in the middle instead of just having a chamber yeah you know yeah someone put thought into those things yeah they're made out of stone like built yeah. into the, it's not just like someone's like oh we just kill him there by doing something weird to him you know mm-hmm. this is planned out wasn't one of the was it the Egyptians or South Americans had one where they would kind of squish you between two boats and they'd cover you in like honey and stuff and like the flies would come and start like oh load insects and come and get you like like they'd, they'd cut you little bits I think so any, if anyone knows this and they're ringing any bells I'd be interested to see but I can't remember where, where this one was but it was it, it think I think it could be Egyptians where they like covered you squished you in between two boats kind of thing uh, and they like left your limbs exposed and you just got kind of eaten alive basically very grim there's another one where it's uh, Genghis Khan built a floor on top of his like enemy's family or something and they like danced and like had a feast all night and essentially crushed them yeah yeah good old Genghis Khan was a Genghis he's a vicious man they love him in Mongolia Love him, yeah. Yeah, there's like pictures of him places and stuff. Interesting Genghis Khan story for you. Go on. Um, we were in Limerick on Saturday night and we were getting a taxi in from where we were staying into where we were going to the party, mm-hmm. birthday party of one of our friends. And in a taxi in the way in, uh, the guy's from Pakistan. And I always start chatting to taxi drivers because I just love chatting to them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, geez, I was over there a few years ago and I really wanted to go to Pakistan because I'd love to have that on my passport for for all the hassle I get for all the other things that are on my passport. I'd, I'd love may, to go there. I may as well have it. Yeah. And uh, he was, we were chatting about it and he was like, oh, what are we, and I was like, oh, we drove up through Central, uh, Central Asia and into Mongolia and he was asking what the people were like in Uzbekistan and all these other places and he said, oh, I had a really nice, and he said, yes, most of them are really nice. He said, they all look the same though. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's a kind of racist, kind of racist undertone. Mm-hmm. But, Anyway, we delved into it a bit more. And I was mm. like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, the, it's because of Genghis Khan or Genghis Khan, right? Yeah. So he's saying he just raided over and back constantly. And he said he tried, I think there was 15 failed attempts by Genghis Khan to get into Mecca. Go away. Yeah. And never got in. And he was like, thank God they never got in or whatever because it would have ruined it. Mm-hmm. But he also said he never got down to Pakistan. And that's why he made out that they were so different in terms of their, like, how they look yeah. and their ethnicities, that how they're so different. It was, like, a major point of pride for him that Genghis Khan had never gotten down there. Is Mecca not in... Uh, Mecca is different, Saudi obviously. Yeah. Oh, it was just, a, it was it was just yeah. a, a interesting thing, you know. He said he also never conquered India. Yeah. He, he conquered a lot of the world. To be yeah. Him. He sons it a lot as well after he, he finished up. Yeah. The... Uh, Short histories from Noisier have a great series on him. Or no, Real Dictators. Real Dictators. Real Dictators by Noisier have a great series so on him. So good. His, his origin story is absolutely mental. Mm-hmm. The story of his death is mental as well, where they killed everyone who buried yes. him and then they killed them and then those lads that killed themselves or something. And yeah. then they supposedly there's rumors like they diverted a river 
over where he's buried. Yeah. I wonder what the story there is. Why were they so worried about people finding his body? I don't know. Yeah. Um, there is some weird, like, there's some weird cultural things with, like, the dead and people changing people's graves afterwards and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know in Native American culture, a thing of, like, someone being buried face down is, like, a really bad thing because it, like, traps their soul or something. Yeah. And there's stories of people, like, purposely going back after battles and digging people up and changing their orientation or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, which is grim. It just brings you back to how grim humans are in general the uh, Empire of the Summer Moon is a great one I know I mentioned this probably months ago if people haven't heard it but it's a great on the Comanche Empire okay I'd like to some of the Aztec stuff is pretty interesting but they are just murder 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 yeah um, okay that brings us on nicely to um, the next piece of murder you're, you're going to witness go on the trivia the trivia I want you to ask your question first because I'm still mulling over a few mine in my head right are we going for two questions? Just each? two questions. Okay. Two questions. So, Mike Tyson won his first 19 professional fights in a row by knockout. How many of those were in the first round? And I'm going to need the exact number because it's quite a small range. Quite a small number. So, I'm going to need the precise number. So, 19 fights in a row. All by knockout. How many of those were in the first round? 18. No, 12 of those were in the first round. Holy one. shit. Yeah. He was just... It, his story is crazy. Yes. Like, how he was... Very fucked up. Yeah. Very, very fucked up. Yeah. Incredibly abusive. But sees what you produce afterwards, you know? Um. Okay. You're going to need to give me two seconds here. There is currently frowning and squeezing the answers out of his brain via his nose. So he's kind of, like, massaging them from his forehead down to his navel capacity out to his nostrils I was just going to edit this small little breakout but we can I just want to narrate it so they're still thinking for lunch today I had right I had five patties like hamburger ones from McDonald's then I had like honey and a little bit of butter in them and then some bananas so it was just a very delicious lunch I'm not going to lie I'm making some great food lately lads I've been knocking out of the park for my uh, partner who is nursing the boy so I've been making some stellar pulling things out of my brain that I didn't even know were in there like it's like it's just stepped up another level in terms of cuisine Uh, having two full butchered lambs in my freezer though it makes things very easy because I have a lot of different cuts of meat and lamb is super fatty so it always tastes great but you know you can play a lot of those things the best is like lamb my favourite at the moment is lamb leg with garlic fresh garlic obviously chilli Mm, olive oil marinated for an hour is enough and then I like to fry it like in a skillet like almost burning the outside of the leg then slow cook for like six hours and it is the best like you just pull it off the bone lamb is phenomenal uh, very high calories to kind of kilo of meat if that's a concern for you if you're like counting calories and stuff and lamb is generally very expensive especially if you have to go kill it and butcher it yourself um so that lamb is like great for those kind of things. Doing a lot of uh, doing a lot of roast and frying or reverse searing. So frying, roasting or frying, slow cooking, uh, marinating. Big big effort of marinating lately. Something I did the other day was really fucking nice for a stir fry. Was I roasted a full shoulder of a deer? Just roasted it. I was actually just cooking it for the dogs, and then I t- took it out and I was like cutting it up. And I was like, wait a minute, this is delicious. I'm gonna keep some of this. 
So some of I took kept some of the outside, marinated it olive oil, fresh garlic. Again, I don't like garlic granules; it doesn't taste the same. Uh, small chunks, like kind of millimeter squared chunks of garlic, smoked paprika, something that's made its way back into my life again recently, <laughs> and then a lot of salt. And I left it in a a zip seal bag, so I just cut slices of this, kind of like uh, tofu size slices. But of course, it's not tofu. You know, those kind of that kind of like small like half a slice of bread sized squares or rectangles I should say zip sealed bag for six hours and then I razzed it in a really hot frying pan but my biggest problem in my kitchen at the moment is that we just have an electric hob or electric cooking top and the heat isn't phenomenal so it's great at the start but as things get cooked into it it starts to cool down the pan a lot and as the moisture gets out the pan gets colder and so you can't cook a lot of stuff at one time. So if you're cooking meat, I'll often have to cook things in thirds, you know, because it'll start stewing the meat in the pan. And it's just, ugh. So what I'd really like to get at some stage, an induction hob. Have you ever used an induction hob? Yeah. Very so, fast. Not as good as gas. Gas is a different way of cooking things. Gas is the best. But I really it, want gas for No, I don't. House. I don't think it makes sense to get gas anymore. Why? Uh it's a limited supply or whatever it's not even natural. we're literally sitting 50 miles from a gas reserve that we are not harvesting most of it but um, induction is, is very good because it gets super hot super fast and stays very hot you know so I'd like to get an induction hob put in but you have to, right. get, you have to get new pans and stuff so you need magnetic yeah 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 but it's very safe as well very safe very safe yeah so that is something that I'd like to invest in, in terms of the kitchen uh, I am getting a knife made as well by uh, one of our friends. The demon knife. Gullocks and knives. So he makes the bougiest. <laughs> I'm actually going to say. Highest quality knives you can imagine. Yeah. I don't like luxury things, right? No. So there are certain things in my life are very, very high end things I'm really particular about. Practical. My rifles, my rifle scopes, my rifle stocks and the the barrels and everything very very high end piece of equipment all practical though all very pra- absurdly practical mm-hmm. like very very uh, robust piece of gear right and with my knives I've been the same for the last few years even with my optics very robust and very practical like Schmidt and Bender optics rather than something like a Swarovski or a Zeiss because I like the robustness of Schmidt and Bender right mm-hmm. uh, but with my knives I've been the same and I'd been using Mordekin knives, phenomenal, like very, very good, mm-hmm. nice steel, steel stays good in them for a long time. You can maintain an edge quite well with low maintenance. Yeah, gets blunt pretty fast though. Yeah. But still, and 15 so, euros, 15 euros. Yeah, you can probably get three or four good sharpens out of it before it really loses that hone, you know, and you have to go back to more dense stones, or sorry, more... Uh, more aggressive stones to bring it back but now I have a bucket of 10 or 15 Morican knives at home that they're kind of done they're finished that their life has ended mm-hmm. and they've had a hard life they've done a lot of deer they've done a lot of rabbits and it's it's done for them around a year and a half ago a girl I coach and I've coached her for absolutely years Bruce more of a friend than somebody yeah. I coach um her husband was making knives. I knew he was kind of getting into blacksmithing and stuff, but I had no real idea. And she was saying, oh, Eric is looking for some antlers. Do you have some antlers? And of course, I had a massive crate full of 
antlers at home. It's like, yeah, he can have as many antlers as he wants, but I want a knife. And over the course of kind of two or three months, we came up with a knife design I wanted. And what he made makes me so happy it's unreasonable. It's an incredibly practical knife, though, for, yeah. for a product in here, though. Yeah. And so now we're up at the point where it will be approaching triple figures of deer it's grolicked, mm-hmm. which is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I brought it back to him. He did some extra work in it this summer during the off season. And it's back to like shaving sharp instantly again. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's done a few deer already this year because I did deer for other people. And it's it's just so nice. I love it. I got another knife made for a friend of ours. And in the year between him making my one and him making the new knife, he's gone and he's investigated some different steels. So he's using a lot more stainless and a lot more kind of kitchen grade stuff now. Like high carbon. Yeah, really high carbon as well. And uh, got some new piece of equipment. And now it's just like stepped up to another level. So when I got the present made, I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I can't stop using my one because I love it more than anything. But yeah. it's amazing. You should, you should get a kitchen knife though. Yeah, I'd like a kitchen knife. That's why I wanted a kitchen knife because it's the one I'd use literally every single day. Yeah. So, so to get a lot more value out of it. Where I think your knife's going to be insane. I'd say it's going to be ridiculous. So I was originally looking for a Kyoto style knife because that's the most practical between cutting meat and veg. But aesthetically, I'm not mad on how some of those look. And so we were kind of chatting, and there's the Narakiri, which are just for vegetables. So they're essentially just a rectangle. It's like a, a cleaver cut in half, if you imagine, yes. in terms of its like depth. It looks fabulous, but not good for cutting meat because there's no curve at the end, essentially. So I'd never heard of this style of knife, but it's called a Sujihiki. So it's just a different side of Japanese knife. But it's like a really long blade. It usually comes like 10 inches, but I don't like long knives. Yeah. So he's going to make one of those. You've seen some of the pictures. It's like six yeah. inches or whatever. I look high carbon steel, but I'm going to have like copper and antler in the handle. And uh, he kind of asks you like, what do you want the knife to, like if you describe it in like two words. And I was like, demons and monsters. I was like, <laughs> if my knife could look like it was haunted by a demon or it was like there was a demon soul trapped in the kitchen knife, that'd be great. Yeah. So if you, if Daryl put his uh, Instagram. I'll, I'll put his Instagram below and I'll put some links to the knives we're talking about as well. Yeah. Gollickson knives his name. He's uh, not, obviously not sponsored. Or no, no, no. And he, like, he makes kind of one knife every month. Yes. Is the level of... Uh, the care and attention he puts into the knives is... Insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, He also does something that I didn't even know people do is like when you order something, you have a consultation with him yeah, for how you want it to be made. It only makes sense in retrospect. In retrospect, it makes perfect sense. It's like coaching or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. Um, But it's I'm like, oh, that's a, that's cool. But it's insane how pretty those knives are. He, I'd say for the value of his knives and the work he puts into them are under, undervalued currently. Massively, yeah. So he's... Uh, Hopefully that will change though. Yeah, every set he's doing is, is getting like better, even though the, like, the initial ones you had over a year ago was insane, phenomenal. yeah. You know, that actually brings us on to a funny point I was thinking about, and I, on a crazy tangent here, right? But right. on to sponsors and stuff of the right. podcast. This would be great if we actually had a sponsor. This would be a yeah. great tangent, but we don't. And I don't think we really want one either. Uh, but no, our, this is sponsored by Seeker Strength. Sponsor, it, it's our podcast. Yeah. We're sponsoring ourselves, selling ourselves. <laughs> but very routinely, maybe like two a month, which is pretty routine, I would imagine. Yeah. People email 
asking can they come on the podcast and i've asked no problem with people who want things to come on the podcast yeah we've only ever actually had one person on who asked to come on the podcast funnily enough so it makes it sound like i do have a problem and we so it makes it sound like we do have a problem but we actually don't no but a, a lot of the time people will email us and my initial question is it'll be them emailing us or their personal assistants i love the personal assistant well, i don't like, mind you should check this guy out yes or I, when they're like a friend of mine yeah you're like you're batch emailing people for a friend of yours who you think so i always wonder i was like how did you find the podcast because they'll, they'll reference our names in the yeah in the podcast so they've done a bit of work the, the assistants or whatever and uh, they're like you should check him out you know but then it always becomes apparent near the end that they've just launched a book or something yeah. and, or they've just launched a new product um and there's something about that particular timing of that irks me because one i wonder do they really listen to the podcast like you can't expect to come on the podcast and not ever listen to it so in some no. ways it's something about that where i'm kind of i'm just like oh, oh. isn't that a little cheeky yeah it's a little bit cheeky yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and i'm not saying they don't listen to the podcast i don't know yeah but I'm always interested if they actually do listen to the podcast or are they just looking for a podcast with reach or whatever they have, you know. Mm. So it's, I always find that interesting. And then I'm wondering, you know, a lot of times people will like the podcast, but they'll have something that wouldn't make sense on the show no. or wouldn't be something no, no. that we would really have a good conversation with, you know. Like if you're emailing, try and start from the point of view is does my guests actually have good stuff to talk about yeah them? what are you bringing here because a lot of the time it is like a supplement or a equipment yeah and what's that going to bring to the conversation I've uh, coming from the other point of view I've been on a few people's podcasts now and you have mm -hmm. and uh, two or three of the times it's been like quite blind you know I'm not quite sure what they uh, yeah I'm not quite sure what their That's okay, though. angle was. Yeah, and so... If you're invited on, if I invited someone, I 100%. wouldn't... 100%. I don't expect them to listen to us. And I've had the experience where the morning of or like the day before I'd be about to go on and be like, let's just take a look at their social media, you know? And the right-wing nationalists. And, <laughs> and it's a... KKK, what does that it, stand it for? It reminds me of, you know, when you're younger and you fall off your bike and you know you've caught your leg mm -hmm. and you're like pulling the pants up. <laughs> you're pulling your pants up to see how badly your knee is cut. <laughs> And you're like looking through and you're like, oh, this, oh, oh, is there something bad here? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, you're not going to find anything great. Yeah. Because you're already assume, assuming they're going to be on your thought lines or like yeah, yeah, yeah. similar points of view. But uh, when you're pulling that sleeve of your jacket up to see how badly your elbow is cut or, or how badly you've grazed your knee. Yes. It's just like scrolling through their Instagram being like, there's going to be something dumb in here. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be something but what did you expect when you went on the KKK Killers hey, podcast? Hey, 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 hey. So, KKK Killers. Do you know, like, I guess if we invite someone on, yeah. I d absolutely do not expect you to ever listen to anything we've done. No. If you've no idea who we are, but you're polite enough to come on, that's fabulous. And I doesn't, that's all gravy. But if you're asking for you or your boss to come on, you better be a fucking listener yeah. of the show, you know? Uh, and, I, and I wonder, I always wonder yeah, what's. Uh, there was one interesting one that emailed us very recently, like last week, I think, or okay. two weeks ago. Um, I'm very interested in the product they have. Mm. And I'd be interested probably to talk to them. I would be very interested if if they were a, an expert in that stuff. If they are an expert in that field. Yes. If they were an expert in the product they were selling, 
I'd be very interested to talk to them. I think it'd be, yeah. it could be a very interesting podcast because they have some stuff <laughs> that is related to training. It's a supplement. Yeah. It's a different supplement, you know. It's also something that I don't have a knowledge base in. Yes. But I'd have a massive amount of questions. They have references in, I looked at their products and they Did have you? references for stuff. Okay. I would have a lot of questions too, you know. Yeah. Um, so you might be hearing that in the next few weeks. And I'd, li- I'd like, I'd, I'd, I'd be very... I'd prefer to have a call with them first. Yeah, just to see. Because if it, so, don't, there's yes. one situation, right? The person comes on the podcast, great conversation. We ask loads of questions and the answers mm-hmm. are really good. Yeah, yeah. And the podcast is great and we obviously put the podcast up. The uh, second situation is, yes. the person comes on, we ask questions and they fall apart. The podcast is unbelievably entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like... And it has to go up. And it has to go up. Yeah, yeah. And then you look like dickheads. But one thing I would be hoping for is a, a, a wallop of free products. A heap of it. A heap of yeah, free that, products. That would, be, that, would be, that would be important to me. No, that's a that's a vital part of the experience for me. Actually, yeah. We should probably actually must get around to get emailed in back, I'd say. Okay, we started trivia 15 minutes ago. Yes. I have a question. Go on. So, obviously, you're new to parenthood. Yeah. Your little horse of a child yes. is a phenomenally well-built child, right? Go on, yeah. The native bird of New Zealand is a kiwi. Right. When the kiwi bears its egg or lays its egg, mm-hmm. if a human was to lay it or to give birth to a, a human baby of the same relative size, mm-hmm. what age would that baby be? Say that again. What? So basically the kiwi lays a massive egg. Right. And if the human was to give birth to a similarly weighted ratio, what age would the human baby be? I actually don't, I don't understand the question. So a kiwi is a bird. No, no, I, I get the words you're saying. I understand okay. the sentences. but So say now, right, uh, kiwi lays a massive egg. Yeah. So if a ba- if a human... What age is is like... Oh, I get you. Sorry. So, so what like, age? Oh my god, that baby's so big it could be a two-year-old. Yes. Okay. Um, ten. Six. Six. Six-year-olds are big. Mother of God. Six-year-olds are massive. Yeah, absolutely. You know how big my nephew is, and he's Jesus. like four. Fucking hell. Yeah. Jesus, that's Christ. insane. Six years old. Six years old. That's like a baby adult. There used to be giant birds of prey on New Zealand. Uh, oh, the harpy eagle. The massive eagle. So yeah. it's something like a 15-foot wingspan or something or more. Yeah. So they used to eat these other giant birds of terror, but humans got in there again. So they used to lay the grounded birds that ran on two legs that didn't fly were also giants, but they laid massive eggs. But they only laid like one egg a year. Okay. And they had to defend a lot because it was such an investment of uh, resources in terms of biology. Okay. And they hunted the ground-dwelling birds to extinction. And then the big giant terror bird ran out of things to eat and died off. Mad. Yeah. Score one for humans. <laughs> so, pa- do you want part two, Mike? So it's nil all. Okay, nil all. Zero, zero. So I'm going to fa- a part two of the original question, right? Okay. So it's a boxing question again. Boxing. You have a good chance of getting this. Okay. I think. So... I feel like I had a good chance of getting the first one as well. Yeah. Like 18 to 1 is quite good odds. So, or 90 to 1, whatever. So... Very few heavyweight boxing champions of the world yes. have lost their heavyweight title and reclaimed it. <sighs> There's approximately seven people who've done it. Mike Tyson being one of them, so you can't name Mike Tyson. Can you name 
two. Two more. Two more of the other people. Do you have the list there? I've, I've got the list right in front of me. Two more who've reclaimed it. Male boxing champions. Tyson Fury. Nope. Muhammad Ali. One, yep. Yeah. I'll give you one. I'll give you one guess for the road. One more. I'm trying to think. Uh, Frazier. No, Frazier's not on Take the list. Back. Who is on the list? So let's say it's early two thousands. Saturated fat. George Foreman. George Foreman. <laughs> 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 I was literally I was like did George Foreman reclaim the title I, George would have been right up there in the next like, so Floyd Patterson uh, oh. Ali Tim Witherspoon Evander Holyfield and George Foreman Evander Holyfield how did I not yeah okay. so he uh, geez that was a great question he knocked out Mike Tyson geez the I, I'm watching the Mike Tyson thing on Disney Plus and it's uh, for a Disney program it's very yeah. intense I've I've kind of lost some respect for Mike Tyson or I view him in a different light after watching okay. it I'm not even finished yet I didn't know a lot about the sexual assault case in the early 90s and fuck it's grim really it's, yeah it's uh, definitely lost some respect for him a lot of respect to be honest actually I would actually go as far as to say I view him entirely differently yeah I know I knew it happened but I never really jeez I have no information on that now paid attention to it yeah uh, and we probably won't it's probably not the best place to be going into that kind of thing but uh, for a shit talk podcast but it's very uh, rough going it's a whole thing like it's, yeah. it's very uh, and, and they go into it in the show too yeah I, I'd know nothing about it you know it's funny how that kind of just because he was good at punching people mental like he's still doing incredibly well now and stuff mm-hmm. you know and uh, obviously there's a lot of questions around that which we're not going to enter today but yeah 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 it's well worth the watch it's called Mike on Disney Plus I'll, I'll have to take a look very good okay last question of this week's Shit Talk Podcast series I'm going to follow a similar ilk for my questions right I feel like your questions were quite themed mine are once again themed around babies and giving birth okay okay, okay. so I feel like you, you're primed to I'm giving you a bone on this one go on so the blue whale Mm-hmm. Obviously, the largest animal in the world ever. Yep. The blue whale, when it has a calf, obviously that calf gains weight quite quickly, right? In the first three months, how many kilos or stone does that calf gain per day? I'm upset at myself because I've heard this question before. Yeah. But I don't know the answer, but I'm going to say 100 kilos. 88 kilos. Fuck. 18 stones per day. Yo, fuck. You never gave me a range. Oh, I should have given you a range. I jumped in too soon. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, insane. Wait, how many a day? 88 kilos a day. Oh, I thought I meant it over the three months. Oh, I was wrong anyway. 88 kilos a day? Per day. All from milk? All from... Do they suckle? They have to. Obviously. How else can you get milk? Yeah. Listening to a very interesting book at the moment, it's called The Great Plant-Based Con. I know a lot of people always ask if I, when I find good audiobooks, when I tell people... Uh, this is a, a big one to read if you wanted to get the book but it's it's an audiobook very okay. it, I'd encourage anyone vegan or not to listen to it the name is a bit obtuse and I think it'll upset some people but it is something that's been coming for a long time okay 
it's not just the plant stuff. It goes on a lot of seed oil stuff, saturated fats, the cholesterol things. Right. Uh, the farming thing was a big thing I've always been uh, for or against, you know, in terms of like, the thing I hated a lot of the abuse farmers got in terms of uh, the rhetoric, the rhetoric people. From the vegans. Yeah, or, or yeah. people who aren't even vegans, but they're like, we need to make less meat and we just need to loads of crops. And you're like, you just don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, you've never obviously driven past a field that's just been harvested. The uh, l- there was a lot going on in the Netherlands there a few weeks ago with the did you catch any of that stuff? No. Uh, Sorry, was this where your man was eating a kebab in front of the vegan protesters? It might no no no. This was in a government action done okay. to Dutch farmers where they were trying to reduce the amount of nitrogen. I think they were spreading, but it was making nearly essentially impossible. Yes. To farm and people are like, well, you have to eat food. Like a change that's happened here is so stubbles would have been kept as stubble fields for ages now mm. don't know is it within 20 days or something of harvest the stubbles have to be um, like the field has to be not ploughed but like mucked over you know mm-hmm. um, and apparently it's the it, it would make sense from a global warming point of view is you, you want fresh growth there so you start capturing more carbon again you know um, rather than just leaving yeah. that field as a kind of dead stubble field yes it's, it's phenomenal for, for wildlife more so than anything else because you have all this kind of fresh growth, whether that just be wild grass or whatever coming up through it. Mm-hmm. You have all those seeds germinating. You have much more food for for wild animals. So the big thing in Ireland is the uh, is that forestry thing with the ground dwelling birds that are closing in on them. You know. The yeah, yeah, things. yeah. Jeez, I counted ten foxes on the way home last night. Yeah, fox numbers are booming. They're all really clean animals as well. They're in phenomenal condition. We're in definitely down here definitely to bring up South Cork again uh, South Cork's in a major upswing year for rabbits this year oh so that's why there's so many foxes as well I, I, I would say so yeah um, those predators don't tend to lag behind but rabbit numbers are mental this year I have 20 rabbit legs and spines in my um, so like with a rabbit if you just take mm-hmm. there's a lot of meat on the spine a lot of meat on the back two legs and nothing else really mm-hmm. so I have 20 of those stacked up in the freezer and I'm going to mince them and make rabbit burgers are you going to add fat to them? I'm going to so what I'm going to do is just pork fat not pork belly where uh. there's meat just pork fat I'm going to mince it on a fine mince and then I'm going to bread the outside and make like little chicken nuggety goujani things mm. yeah I think they'll be good and you can freeze them for ages too. That might work really well. Yeah. Or they'll turn out terrible from the freezer. No. Sometimes red gets soggy when you freeze it like that. The So the breading on the outside. Yeah. You'll have to be sharp with that. I think I'll be fairly good because I made a lot of fish fingers over the years like that. Where. Oddly enough. Yeah. Because. <laughs> no. But when you go fishing and you catch a load of like sea fish. Like white fleshed fish. Yeah. Uh, and then you just make a massive batch of fish fingers. Also, this this isn't for adults to eat, this is for kids to eat. The fish fingers. Yeah. Well, that's a nephews bit. nephews used to love them. That's a bit accusatory of people who want to eat fish fingers. I love fish fingers. What's wrong with adults eating fish fingers? I love fish fingers. Yeah. Doesn't seem really like... <laughs> not, not in that tone. How about that previous <laughs> statement? That's not an issue with fish fingers. But yeah, so we have a, a big... I have a big day of burger making ahead of me. Because I've around 40 kilos of beef as well to, to mince. I, I'm frantically... I think this year I, I've bought red meat less than 10 times in a shop. Okay. From this from 12 months since September to this That's September. unbelievable. Yeah. And oftentimes it's just because of convenience. It's yes. not that I never needed to do it, you know. Oftentimes it's just... It was easier to get it now than 
my own idiocy from not taking something out of the yeah, freezer. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's the biggest issue. All I have to do is take out the day before. I am at the point now where I'm at the point of anger. The other people in my lives are angry at me because the freezers are so full. <laughs> I'm frantically plowing through my freezer. I have uh, I've around 100 kilos of beef. So just beef steak. Yeah. Uh, I have... I got my venison down to zero. So this August, yeah. first time since I was 15, I'd say, that I'd gone through all the venison meat I owned. But it doesn't make sense that we're doing this mm. in terms of the venison because the venison meat tastes better after yeah. six months. Yeah. So why are we plowing through for fresh because meat? Because I don't know. I just want fresh meat in my freezer. Now I have two deer in my freezer. Yeah. That allotment is full. I have still some lamb left from last year and we have two lambs coming in a week. You... I, it's what? just... It, there's just meat coming from everywhere I'm um, so that's why I need to go and I've the 20 rabbits so I, I have to go on a burger making mission I must I, I'm trying to plow through all that that lamb yeah because I thought the lamb would kind of I thought I'd have them sooner I thought I'd have like a six weeks sooner than and I it got would them. be like a stop gap yeah I would just be tipping away through them yeah uh, but there's a lot of la- there's a lot of meat on the two lambs so I'm and it's it's a pleasure to be cooking because it's such nice meat, so it's not an issue. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, when I knock a deer, I won't have anywhere to put most of it unless no. I mince it. I'd say. I think what I'm going to do with the when I'm making the rabbit burgers, I'm making the venison burgers because mm-hmm. I'm going to make a massive batch for the jujitsu club. Yes. Is we're going to do a cooking with Sika, and we'll have some like catch kill cook kind of thing going on, you know. Might be an interesting little video. That's why I'm not in a major rush at the moment because you can't shoot those for another four weeks. Yeah. And Sika those are <laughs> phenomenal. The best, yeah. So the best. So that's why I'm kind of like, I'm limited space. It's not that it, obviously the deer is always used. Someone yeah. will always take the deer. You know, so there's not a problem in that regard. But at the same time, I've, I've, I've that's what my kind of... One thing I will say. Yeah. Is... So prickettes, which are the main thing we'd harvest this time of year, like young bucks, a year and a half old. Yeah. And if you want a steak, so venison steak, we'd rarely enough do them. Um, but if you want a venison steak where it's like enough where it can can look like a proper steak, mm-hmm. that's the best animal to have it off. Particularly September prickette, because you have fat on it. The Sika dough I, I got last year, though, had phenomenal steaks off it. Yeah, but they're like baby steaks. Unbelievable. In my head when I look at them. And yeah. like that's not correct I don't mind that I know they're really good though yeah. that sirloin yeah. that particular sirloin cut is a lovely cut to take you know yeah Um. okay thanks very much for everyone who tuned in we're coming up on an hour now yeah for the shit talk which I hope you've enjoyed it as always if you're listening please do subscribe to to the podcast where you're listening to the podcast one thing we massively appreciate is a lot of people take a screenshot of the podcast or they're listening to it and they'll pop it up on their Instagram story or something like that massively appreciative as always we're trying to spread the podcast as much as we can because it doesn't get the same kind of reach around that YouTube tends to give <laughs> uh, so we do appreciate that thanks yes. to everyone who listened and we'll talk to you all again soon